All right, so I won't cough on you, um, but I am kind of sick this morning, so um, just elbow me instead of shaking hands, you know, that'd be good. And I told um, Myrene Trike that this morning's going to be an extra deep Sunday school class because my voice is extra deep, so do you want me to wait for you to start recording? Okay. Okay. Great. Hey, Kathy, can you hear me now? Can you hear him now, Kathy? Yes. Okay, great. You don't, you don't have to hold the phone the whole time, do you? Can we give you a better setup? I'm working on it. Okay, okay. Okay, all right. Well, good morning. Uh, today we get to study Proverbs. And um, be patient with my weird voice this morning. <clears throat> It'll protect me from shouting with joy, so I'll shout, I'll, I'll whisper with joy, and um, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the power of your word, uh, and we pray that you would use this time for your glory and shape us and give us wisdom, Lord, and help us to be more like Jesus through what we hear today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to turn it down just a little bit. Is it feedback, feeding back a little bit? Okay. Okay. All right. All right, I'm going to turn it down a little bit. Can you all still hear me like this? Okay. Thank you. All right, so before I get started with this, I just want to tell you one thing, all right? You ready? Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a fair woman who lacks discretion. That's actually in God's word. That's it's one of the Proverbs. And that'll wake you up in the morning. It's kind of strange, but it's God's word. And when we look at Proverbs, we're going to see that some of the Proverbs, if you're like, hey, I'm going to go to Sunday school, some of these Proverbs, when you hear them, you're like, I don't know if that's what I like signed up for today. You know, I don't know if that's what I woke up for. Because sometimes the Proverbs, they, especially in our culture and the sort of the way we're trained to think about things sometimes, just the, what's in the water, what's in the air of our culture, you kind of wince, like, man, that seems kind of harsh. You know, like, obviously there's grace, you know, like, in one sense, in my heart, I'm a, I don't know about a fair woman, but I'm a woman who lacks discretion. I'm a man who lacks, you know, we're all foolish in different ways. And so, obviously, this doesn't go against the grace of God, but there are these pithy little sayings that stick with you, and they're kind of like slightly humorous sometimes images that, that drive the point home of the fact that God has designed us in his image, and God is faithful. God has designed us in his image. He is wise. And so Proverbs, we'll get into it, but it sets forth these two ways to approach life. One in line with your, in relationship with your creator and according to his design for what it means to be a human, and the other is contrary to the way God's designed you and for the purpose for your life and the, the horrible consequences of that. So, without further ado. So, Proverbs, life comes with the manual. You know, we say, well, I wish parenting came with a manual. Well, it doesn't on the one hand, but in some sense it does because Proverbs is like the user manual for, for human beings. It's, that it's how God tells us how we're meant to live and how we're designed to live and what flourishing looks like, all right? 
So, the title of the book, why do we call it Proverbs? So I worked a GIF, actually, into our presentation. No idea. I'm joking because, obviously, we know why it's called Proverbs, right? Because it's full of Proverbs. All right, moving, moving along. <laughs> Authorship and date. Solomon wrote most of them, so the content is mostly from the 900s B.C. The other named authors are Agur and Lemuel, um, the very beginning of the of, of Proverbs says that they are written by Solomon, at least the majority of them. They're the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. All right. So here is the structure. Um, these, the structure is based on actual labels within Proverbs of like, okay, these are of Solomon, these are of Lemuel, there's kind of a labeling. Now, there's other ways to show the structure of Proverbs, like thematically, but I just want to give you the fact that there are actual mentions of different writers in different sections of Proverbs. So you have the preamble, um, the extended discourses on wisdom, uh, which a lot of that is not, it's not the little short, little, you know, small fridge magnet phrases. It's longer discourses on why we need wisdom, you know, the beauty of wisdom, the, the, the wonderful consequences usually of wisdom, and then why we should shun folly and the usually horrible consequences of folly. And so you have the Solomonic Proverbs, um, you know, it'll say these are the words of Solomon, but actually I'm of the opinion that the first part is also of Solomon because um, right after it says these are the Proverbs of Solomon, it launches into that. But there, this is according to these different labels within the sections. And then uh, chapter 22 uh, to 24 is labeled the sayings of the wise. And those are the more little tight-knit Proverbs that we think about, these little short aphorisms that kind of stick with you. And then more... Ex It'll say, you know, these are the songs of Solomon, chapter 25 to 29. And then the sayings of Agur, and this is, um, he does a lot of math. You know, like, there are three things I do not understand. There's four that baffle me, and then he'll do these lists, okay? And then the sayings of King Lemuel from his mother, uh, that a lot of that, it's about how to be a faithful king. And so, like, hey, don't drink a lot if you're a king. You know, that's for sick people. Stay, stay the course, all right? Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can read that later. Proverbs 31, verses 1 to 9. Um, poem to the virtuous woman. You know, Proverbs 31. Um, the description of the embodiment of wisdom. And now what's interesting is at the beginning of the book, these discourses, extended discourses on wisdom, it portrays wisdom personified as a woman, as a, a wise, a woman who's, who is wisdom. And so it's like, this is addressed primarily to young men. So it's like, who do you want to marry? You want to marry wisdom. You know, embrace wisdom and she'll give you life and, and prosperity and joy. You embrace wisdom, right? Marry wisdom. Well, at the end of the book, you have a description of practical daily living what wisdom in 
an actual physical human being woman looks like. Uh, and it's like, here's who you want to marry, guys. All right. Now, ladies, obviously this applies to you as well. You know, flip it around. You know, you want a husband who's pretty wise as well. So, um, but this is one way to structure it. Um, second, some of the theological themes, obviously God's wisdom, God's sovereignty, even in the details. There's Proverbs like, though a man makes plans in his heart, the Lord directs his steps. He cares about the details of our lives. He's, he's blamelessly sovereign even over the details of our lives, which is pretty amazing and also sort of hard to deal with sometimes when we're suffering, if we're honest, right? Um, God's centrality to everyone and everything, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, 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 and so your starting point, your, the foundation, you know, if you're going to build your house on a rock, it's the fear of the Lord. And fear is not just, it's not like, ah, terrified. It's that reverence and awe and the weightiness of God. You know, the, the Hebrew word for glory is weightiness or heaviness. You know, the, the glory of God that you take God more seriously than you take anyone, anyone else. His, quote, opinion matters more to you than anyone else's opinion, right? You start with God in your thinking. You start with God's revelation and how you process the meaning of life and how you make decisions, right? The fear of the Lord. And I would say not just, oh, God's out there and he's going to get me if I mess up. It's not, that's, that's shallow, a shallow way to look at it. It's being in a right, reconciled relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ that is the heart of wisdom. Now, humanly speaking, there are wise unbelievers. You know, they, they know how to do stuff. When you think about wisdom as skill at living life, wisdom involves not just knowledge, but skill, applying, applying truth to daily living. But God has his common grace. You know, we're still made in his image. And so it doesn't mean that all non-Christians are always foolish in their behaviors. But what's very sad is that they're missing the heart of true wisdom. They may act wisely, but the meaning underneath it and the relationship that we're meant to have underneath all of our moral and ethical behavior sadly is not there. And so they, they don't understand the meaning of life. You know, you can ask a PhD college professor what's the meaning of life, and most of them will be like, Psh, heck if I know. You know, like, if you think you know the meaning of life, you're arrogant and you don't need to be in this class, right? But if you ask a five-year-old, no, no, I'm just kidding, whatever, maybe like a 10-year-old who knows the Lord and has some way to speak, you know, they can give you the meaning of life. It's knowing God and, and, and loving him, you know, and loving other people. That's the meaning of life. All right, so God's love in revealing wisdom, the fact that he, he doesn't hoard wisdom. It's, this is not a secretive religion like, oh, only a select few have access to these deeper truths. God's like, wisdom is like a, this woman in the marketplace shouting out, come to me, all you who are simple, and, and, and I'll give you life. You know, It's this open invitation. It's the free offer of wisdom. You don't have to climb a mountain and find some guy in a smoke-filled room and say some weird thing like in Batman, you know. 
Uh, you, you, you just, God gives it to you. He's revealed things to you because he wants you to have a good life and he wants you to live in a way that reflects his wisdom. So God loves us enough to reveal wisdom. And then God, this is another one, God's allowance of choices and consequences, all right? So the way I put it, there, there are proverbs um, about, you know, we joked about this, but uh, there's one that's like, it's better to live on the corner of a housetop than with a contentious woman, you know? A contentious wife is like a constant dripping. By the way, I don't have that problem, so just so you know. But, uh, right? Yes, that's right. Um, but, so, you might say, well, God's sovereign. God knows who I'm going to marry. He's going to lead me to the right person, whatever, right? That's kind of, that can be fatalism. The way that Proverbs speaks in terms of commending certain choices and, and warning against other choices what does that imply? What does that imply? Free will. free will. Yeah, absolutely free will. Now, as a Presbyterian minister, like, what? Have you read Luther's Bondage of the Will? Yes, in seminary. Read. In one sense, we don't have the freedom to choose Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. We, our, our will is bent towards sin, right? But within God's sovereignty, he has ordained all things in a way that we still experience real choice and real freedom for which we are really responsible. That is a great mystery. Our freedom does not ever lock God down, but it is a real lived freedom. It, in the, God has sovereignly worked it out that, that we can be free and he's planned it all. And do I understand that? No. You might see smoke starting to leak out of my ear right now as I, as I talk about that. But it is a profound mystery. And as, as, as Presbyterians, you know, we're like, sovereignty of God. That's true, yes. But sometimes we can be fatalistic about that. A, uh, a classic example is something called hyper-Calvinism. We're like, hey, we believe God is sovereign over who's saved, so... Hey, someone will go over to India to preach the gospel to those people. We don't have to do that. Come on. He can do it. You know, that God treats us as free people who are truly responsible for our decisions. So, so it's like, yes, God's sovereign over your life, and he, he is working all things according to good. But guys, you can really screw up your life if you, wear, if you marry a constant dripping, you know, if you, if you marry a contentious wife. God will let you screw up your life. All right, he'll redeem it, he'll love you in the midst of it, but you can make certain choices that you will live with the consequences for the rest of your life, you know? So if you have a factory accident and you lose a leg, you're not gonna have a leg for the rest of your life. God still loves you, you know? But because you didn't follow those instructions in the manual or you didn't follow the OSHA safety stuff, hey, you don't have a leg now, you know? Like, there are consequences. Um, one way I think about this, and we'll get into this, is Think of it also like a driving manual. You know, it's like if you're teaching your kids how to drive, how important is it that they understand how driving works and how the rules of the road works at work and how, like, what double yellow lines mean versus single white lines? Like, if you don't understand that, you will die. And so thinking about this is the seriousness with which these instructions are given in Proverbs. Like, some of, some of them are funny, 
you know, and kind of quirky or whatever. But this is truly life and death. God's basically saying, I set before you life and death. I'm giving you the path to life. Take it. And there's constant, repetitive, like, you just said this a few verses earlier. Like, there are literally the same proverb is repeated word for word in the book of Proverbs. So it's not about novelty. It's about beating the glory of walking with God and the terror of rejecting his ways into your head just over and over and over so that it shapes you so you can't get it out of your head. Because if you're driving down the road and you're like, hey, I wonder what it would be like to go like this. And you're on a two-lane highway and there's oncoming traffic. You will die and you will kill someone else, right? You have the power just by moving your hands, you know, 45 degrees to kill someone by making a foolish decision. And so there's this utter seriousness and that he allows us to make choices and he allows us to suffer the consequences or to benefit from the good consequences, right? All right, love and wisdom. In Proverbs, the wisdom is from love and for love. Hold on. The wisdom is from love and for love. What do I mean by that? Would someone read that out from the top one just so you can hear someone else's voice and hear it better than mine? Shout it out. All right, thank you. Does that make sense? These things are from love. This is what love looks like. Um, they come in the context of a loving relationship, not a reluctant guru. Does that make sense? It comes in a loving relationship, like, I love you, I want good for you. Son, please, please hear me. Please, please take me seriously. I've lived longer than you, and I want you to have a good life. And there are so many opportunities to screw up your life. There's so many opportunities to mess up all kinds of other people's lives with the decisions you make. Please, please. Now, I'm only 45. Some of you have grown children. We don't yet. We started later. Um, some of you experience the heartache with more serious consequences because they're older of children making foolish decisions that affected the rest of their lives. I'm not thinking of anyone specific, by the way. Like, who's he talking about? I'm not thinking of anyone specific. And there may actually not be anyone in this room this morning for whom that's the case. But, but it's, a, it's, it's, not a, it's not a cold instruction manual. It's the heart of love from God through people loving one another. And God is loving you by giving you this wisdom. Okay. Okay, the second one. In Proverbs, the wisdom is for love. Someone else read that out loud. Someone tell us what you think that's about. What is that? What do you, what do you make of that? 
Good. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Cindy? Interesting. 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 That's the, so what Cindy said, in case you didn't hear it, was that sometimes it's harder to receive love than it is to give love. It's harder to accept love than it is to show love. And, and that is a really profound observation about how our hearts work. Why do you think that is? Why is it? Why can it be hard for us to receive love? And and and, and how does how is how is it wise to receive love? Or how does the fear of the Lord relate to us receiving love? Cindy, sorry. Yes. Good. Okay. Sue. I don't say we don't think we're That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. And you can know these things, but you still have to, you know, get wisdom and understand from God. That's right. So, yeah, my point in saying that wisdom is for love, for love is, well, yeah, so from love and for love that we, we only love God, we, we only love others as much as we know God loves us, in a sense, in one sense. Now, again, there's non-believers who are loving, okay? But my power to love you comes from my power to receive God's love for me. That's how my heart works, right? And so... The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom can sound like, uh, okay. You know, you like just read that to your kid. Like, hey, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Like, uh, all right. But when you explain to them what that means and then you, and then you connect the weightiness of God's word to the content of God's word, which is love for you, it changes your life, right? Like when you love someone and you tell them you love them, if they don't take you just deadly seriously, they won't feel your love. Does that make sense? If they don't take your words with absolute honesty and weight and importance, they will not feel your love. Now, maybe their love language isn't, I love you, it's wash the dishes. But, you know, taking people's words seriously is absolutely essential to a loving relationship. And when we look at these pithy sayings and kind of like, haha, or whoa, that's kind of weird, it's coming from love. And it's, there is no proverb that is not about loving God and loving your neighbor. There's no proverb that doesn't involve loving God and loving your neighbor because that is the heart, uh, that's the summary of God's will for us love, right? All you need is love. Like, but for real, 
life is about love, and I think we forget that sometimes if we're honest. It's like, how do I get good at life? Well, you get good at love. How do I get good at love? I get good at taking God's love for me seriously and letting the weight of his declarations of love wash over me and change me. So, all right. Death and life, I mentioned this earlier. You've got two paths of life. Rejecting God and his love and refusing to love are the way of death and punishment. Receiving God's love through faith in Jesus and reflecting that love to God and to other people is the way of those who have been given eternal life. Notice I didn't say it's, well, yeah, you receive God's love through faith in Jesus. That's salvation, right? And then the reflecting flows out of that reception. You're Basically, you're thinking about, I'm not going to reflect what I haven't yet received, right? If you're, if you're, fit, it, the, well, certain surfaces have to have a certain texture and color or whatever to reflect light well, right? And so, anyway, that, the, the way that you receive is going to de- determine what you reflect, you know? All right, so the series needs to, I already said that about the garden. Okay, so the context of Proverbs, and we're going to look at some of the content in a little bit more, but the context of Proverbs, just remember the basic biblical story of reality, right? Creation, fall, and redemption. When you think about these sayings, it's really helpful to remember creation, life actually does have an author and a designer. Someone made your mountain bike, right? There's a design to it. I'm working on mine. That's why I'm saying this, right? I'm super creative, right? Just pull up. So I'm working on a mountain bike, and there's a certain way that these brakes work, right? And if you're like, hey, I'm just going to like throw the brakes on, and I mean like, I don't really want to be hemmed in and like told what to do, and I, I feel like, you know, I'm not really free if I just follow this manual instructor. I want the brakes to look like this, right? And then, you know, a speeding train comes. I'm being really dramatic. You know, that's not good, right? You're not living according to the way God has actually designed you. There is a design for your body. There's a design for your life. There's a design for your heart. And the words that we say to ourselves and what we set our minds on, where you're aiming the camera of, of your perception, right? There is a design to this. There is, therefore, there is meaning to life. Life is meaningful because there's an author. There's, there's a meaner who made us, and therefore we have meaning. He meant something when he made us, right? It's amazing. And then fall. There's a lot of stuff about evil people and the, the wicked woman who's trying to sleep with you. Like, it gets real. There's evil. There is, life now has an enemy, the fall, the devil, and then we rebelled, and then our own flesh, and then the world, and there, there is horror and darkness to life as well. And there is constant danger in life as well. There will always be someone ready to, to mess up your life for you if you let them, right? And so life is a war. It is a war. These proverbs come in the context of 
if you're in battle and you don't follow the mission plan set by the generals or whatever, I wasn't in the military, so please be patient with me. Um, if you don't do the plan, I mean, yeah, you have to be flexible from what I hear, right, in the midst of battle. But the point is, if you don't do the plan, if you're in a war and you don't do the plan, that's not good, right? And so we are in a war. We are in a battle against evil, and therefore we absolutely need wisdom and direction, right? And then redemption. God wins, and he rescues and renews through the wisdom of the cross. This is amazing. If you think about skill at living, skill at loving, there is no greater crescendo of that than the darkness of the cross. That's what Paul says in, in the, his letters to the Corinthians. He talks about the, the wisdom of the cross as foolishness to the world. But think of the greatest problem that could ever be solved. How can a good God forgive evil people and still be a good judge? <laughs> right? Think about earthly life. How could a good judge forgive evil people and still be good? The greatest dilemma that's ever existed in the story of reality, right? And God solved it at the cross. He could blamelessly forgive the blameable through Jesus taking our sin on himself and suffering the punishment in our place as God and man dying and rising again from the dead so that God could, without lying, call David Balzer righteous. Like, you can really do that? Yeah, I can do that. You know, that's, a, that's the wisest, that's the most amazing plan of wisdom that we could ever think of. Creation is amazingly wise. Look at God's wisdom and all the designs and all the things that he's made, but even more so is the wisdom of the cross. Who would have dreamed that up? Only God. All right, so what do we find in Proverbs? We find God's gift of wisdom mostly through the wisest mere man who ever lived. The Proverbs of who? Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. What's so awesome is that instead of asking for riches, Solomon asked for wisdom. And you know what's so awesome? He didn't hoard the gift. <laughs> He's like, Look, God made me, besides Jesus, the wisest man who's ever lived. And guess what? I'm, like, I'm not like copywriting this. Here, here are the lyrics. Here's the sheet music. It's yours. Have at it. No royalties. Like, do what you want with this, you know? Um, that It comes from the wisest man. Most of them come through the wisest man on earth. And then what is the beginning, the fount, the heart of all wisdom a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. I know I was like skipping ahead of myself earlier. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's what we find in, in Proverbs. <clears throat> and so I mentioned the two, well, I mentioned the, the woman portrayed as wisdom. So this is the first section of Proverbs. This is what we're talking about. The need for wisdom, the, the glory of wisdom, the consequences of folly. And so Wisdom and folly are portrayed as two women. You got the woman who is, who is wisdom, and I'm going to read that, 8.1 to 9.12. 8.1, actually, would someone with a strong voice 
Actually, you know what? I'm just going to read it because we're being recorded and stuff. All right. <clears throat> Can you tell I have ADD? <laughs> Proverbs 8, 1 through 9, 12. All right. Listen to the, the call of wisdom. It's a long passage, but I want you to hear it. Proverbs 8, 1 through 9, 12. Will you? Thank you. Read it out loud. Okay, pause real quick. You're gonna, you're going a while. You're going. Someone else can can take over for you if they want. But to nine twelve, it is a long passage. No, well, if someone wants to take over, but what? But I want to stop real quick here. Notice how he says, "Take my." How wisdom says, "Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels." And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. That's Solomon, right? That's Solomon's life. I just think that's so amazing that that is actually Solomon's story. That he he knew that, and that's why he asked God for wisdom instead of riches, and he got riches thrown into. All right. Um, does someone else want to read to make it easier? Anyone jump in? All right, Don, you good? Still reading? Okay. Um, keep going.
Okay, that's good. Thank you. That's that's enough. We don't have to read the rest of it. Yeah, I think there's there's elements of that, but throughout church history, people have wrestled with that, and um, there's parts about God bringing bringing wisdom forth here, and so there's there's different opinions about it. It you know, depending on which weight you give which parts of that. Um, those who say it's not about Jesus emphasize that like I was brought forth like created because the Arians would say hey look he's a creature because he's wisdom here and he was brought forth he wasn't always there but you know it doesn't have to mean that it could be a poetic way of talking right 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 so people have different opinions about that but the point is is it expresses the wisdom from God that wisdom comes from God um, and so, but the reason I wanted to, to thank you, Don, for reading that, just that large passage, is to see, is to hear, quote, Lady Wisdom calling out and offering life. And this humbles me because it reminds me that I don't take wisdom as seriously as I should. You know, it's like, what do you want for Christmas? Wisdom would be a really good answer, right? Like, pray for wisdom, that'd be awesome. You know, socks are good too. Um, wisdom. And so this is to help people to, to hear how important wisdom is and that you sh- we should always be seeking wisdom, which really, what does that really mean? We should always be growing to love God and love other people and growing to receive God's love. If I'm growing in wisdom, I'm growing in my fear of the Lord, right? If I'm growing in wisdom, true wisdom, I'm growing in my ability to apply love in all these different situations in life, in the midst of conflict, in the midst of prosperity, you know, whatever it is, you're growing to love more, all right? And then folly is portrayed as a temptress and an adulteress who only brings only death. There's just a few verses here. I'll read that. Proverbs 9, 13 to 18. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. See, she's using the same words as Lady Wisdom, but it's, it's, it's coming from evil. And to him who lacks sense, she says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are at the depths of Sheol. That word for dead in Hebrew is the Rephaim. 
talking about those, the, the giants. The, uh, I won't get into all that, but the judgment on these um, rebellious creatures. Um, and so, so lady wisdom and uh, not, not much of a lady folly. All right. So temptation is a huge theme, obviously, in the book of Proverbs. Um, let me pause. How are you all doing? Are your, are your eyes, are your minds glazed over? Um, are you hanging in there? Um, has something risen in your mind that you'd like to share at this point um, as we've gone through all this or something that stuck out to you from what um, Pastor Don read? I'm really just wanting to drink something. I'm just kidding. Cindy, are you raising your hand? It's like an auction, you know. I see. Okay. Explain what you mean. She said it, it reminds her of discipleship. I was beside him like a master workman. Yeah, it's like wisdom herself embodies wisdom by displaying her discipleship uh, by God, in a sense. Is that, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Maybe not. You know. But yeah. What about others of you? What's jumped out at you? What are you thinking about? Um, maybe lunch already, but what are you thinking about right now as you're hearing all this stuff? I don't want to just talk at you for Sunday school. Well, these things, you know, like in Proverbs, uh, one of those in Proverbs that you read is actually says that we buy truth with our time. Hmm. Understanding the Proverbs, uh, there's a lot of truth there, and sometimes it's said it very, very succinctly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right. Sure. Sure. That's right. That's good. Yeah, Ken quoted Proverbs 3 about trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight, which shows us that wisdom is relational. Again, it's all about love. Wisdom is not so you can feel really smart because you know all this stuff and you can sit and look peaceful and proud, right? This kind of like the monk on the hill kind of thing. It's not that. It's about love. If I want to love you better, I need wisdom, right? All right. Um, and also, oh, real quick, sorry. And also, Ken pointed out that these are meant to be chewed on. They're like everlasting gobstoppers, not uh, gumdrops, all right? They're meant to sit in your mouth and you, and you dissolve the layers of flavor. If you haven't had an everlasting gobstopper and you're not diabetic, go get one today. Uh, they're in there and you, and you 
the flavor changes sometimes. There's just, right? Am I remembering right? Different colors, the flavors change. Proverbs are meant to be chewed on, to savor, and they start to kind of bloom in your heart, in your mind, all right? And so we tend to like woof down our food and we don't really chew it and savor it. You know, uh, if you're drinking a drink, like instead you, you taste, taste the flavors. Sometimes it's like we're holding our nose and just wo- throwing food in our mouth instead of like taking it in and experiencing it more. All right, Steve. Yeah, as I, as I look at the two readings. Yes. That's right. That's great. And it, death is not on the neon sign of the bordello, right? <laughs> but it's in the back room for sure. You know, you, you, there is a way of life and a way of death. Yeah, go ahead. Could you say the imagery there, that was the All right, that Lady Wisdom, that, you know, she's inviting you to life, to true life. Uh, and the consequences of wisdom, generally speaking, are life, right? But then Lady Folly, it shows that what she's actually inviting you to is death and hell. That, that it looks good on the outside, but you, when you walk through the door, there's death inside, right? And so this is deadly serious, right? Life and death. It's a matter of life and death. All right, um, so I'm not going to read that first part. I'm going to move on a little bit quicker. But these are some of the things that are listed as temptations for us that we are strictly warned against. One, a violence for quick gain. I'm not going to read all the verses associated with each of these. Uh, violence for quick gain, a love of fighting, idleness, stinginess, dishonesty, wicked speech, Pride and sexual immorality. There is a lot of emphasis throughout Proverbs on sexual immorality and sexual morality. I'm not going to quote them necessarily today. They're God's word, but you may not want to blush in Sunday school. But Proverbs 5, you can read it on your own. It's not just about, hey, avoid the adulteress. It's about embrace your wife wholeheartedly, and the passage ends with always be drunk with her love. You're like, whew, we don't hear that a lot, you know, all the time in Sunday school, right? So anyway, there's a positive celebration of intimacy in marriage that also needs to be emphasized, not just don't do this outside of marriage. It's a vision of flourishing in that relationship. All right, so how to treat God. Trust him. We've already talked about Proverbs 3. Honor him for his goodness and power in your life. That's part of what it means to be wise. That's part of the heart of life is a trusting, loving, honoring relationship to God. Fear him. We talked about this earlier. Taking God the most seriously. Let everyone begin with him, worship him, and walk with him. Make his love and his will what your life is all about. How to treat people. How do you treat your parents? Listen to them and take their advice seriously. How do you treat your friends? Show love no matter what. I got this from a a website. I didn't make all this up. Show love no matter what. Give heartfelt advice, bringing joy to the heart. 
um, rebuke when necessary. See, a lot of them are about speech. What you should say, and then refraining not saying certain things. You know, I'm still learning that. You know, um, So, rebuke when necessary, but do it in love. Not in condemnation, right? Avoid gossip. Forgive and don't hold grudges. And be loyal. How do you treat your neighbor? There's this great there's just there's really funny proverbs that are just fun to read. Um, respect their privacy and be generous. Okay, I got to read this one to you. Um, proverbs twenty five, seventeen, and then uh, let's see. I love this one. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. You know, like Oakley Doakley. Hey neighbor, you know. You know, I'm an ENFP. I love to talk to people. You know, I love hanging out and stuff. So my poor neighbor, Rob, plus he has these 60s Mustangs that he's working on. So that's his fault, not mine. But, you know, I try to be mindful. Like, don't just always crash Rob's party, you know. So um, let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house lest he hate you. Steve. Oh, sorry, Ken. Yeah, that's right. Fish and company start to stink after three days. That's right. That's right. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, these aphorisms, you know. That's right. All right, so... Um, 27, 14, uh, whoever, oh, I love this one. This is like my marriage. Uh, I'm the, I'm the unfortunate blesser. Laura's the unfortunate hearer. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing, right? We joke like soon after we got married, I don't feel like I'm a morning person, but I'm a talkative person. So, you know, those, those early days of marriage, I had to learn quickly, like, hey, you don't always have to talk right when you get up, you know? Uh, you know, I feel like, hey, honey, you know? Uh, there's, um, there are these coffee mugs that have these levels on them. The top line is, nope. The second line is, getting there. The line close to it, having more coffee, being drunk is like, getting closer. And then at the bottom, it's like, okay, I can talk now, you know. So anyway, don't, don't read too much about Laura. She's gracious and kind and stuff. But, but this, this proverb, I love it. He who blesses his neighbor loudly in the morning, rising early, will be counted as a curse. Is there really a coffee shop like that? There is. I didn't just make it up. I think there's actually wine glasses like that too, but anyway. All right, all right. So how do you treat your spouse? Oh, oh yeah, also being generous to your neighbor. My neighbor, Rob, he's visited our church floor. He's really involved in scouting. Um, he's like the president of the scouts for the area or whatever. He, he, he and his wife, Jeanette, are so generous to us. They brought us like jalapeno peach preserves and just, they do all kinds of stuff. He's given me car parts. I mean, what, what more love can he show as a guy than that? Give him free car parts. Here's a steering rack. Go for it, you know. All right. So, all right, it's 943. Um, spouse, 
Uh, be faithful and diligent. Don't be quarrelsome. And then Proverbs 5, I mentioned, embrace and delight in one another fully and faithfully. You're not just commanded to avoid sex outside of marriage. You're commanded to embrace it in marriage. All right, children, teach them about life. The whole book is about that. Um, discipline them in love. And then lastly, Jesus. Real quick, if you have to go, go for it. But just a few more minutes. I don't want to skip Jesus. So Jesus is the Lord in whom we are to trust. Sometimes we forget that. We're Trinitarians officially, but we forget the reality of it in our lives. Jesus is the Lord in whom we are to trust in Proverbs 3. Jesus grew in wisdom and is most wise. Jesus is God's wisdom for redemption, the wisdom of the cross. We talked about that. And then Jesus is our wisdom. True wisdom begins with Jesus, by whom and for whom are all things. Nothing makes sense apart from Jesus. And there is nothing that exists that doesn't have by Jesus and for Jesus stamped on the foot, you know, or underneath the car or whatever. Everything is by Jesus and for Jesus. Therefore, he is our wisdom. He is the truth. Um, and he is what life and love are truly all about. Remember the cross to remember God's love and that will help you receive God's love. Take the word of his love in a weighty manner. Let the weight get past your, oh, I'm not worthy. Like, take him seriously and embrace his love. And you will love him and you will love others through faith in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your church. Thank you for your repetition. <laughs> Thank you that we get to hear the gospel repeated to us every week because we desperately need it. Lord, thank you that you remind us of your love all the time. Lord, strengthen us to know and embrace your love more deeply through faith in Jesus Christ that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. We pray these things today. We pray for Joel that you would fill him with your spirit. Pray for our musicians that they would play with joy, skill, and freedom. And we pray that you would really Lift up our hearts to heaven today as we worship you and save those who don't yet know you. Even today, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all.